This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets, and of course on Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. Talk about anything you want to talk about, though I have some things I want to talk about, but uh, if you have a good question, it'll supersede what I want to talk about, no problem. So uh, anyway, uh, best way to get a hold of me is join me here live on Pet Life Radio. Go on to Pet Life Radio, click on Shows. You can scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. There is a Zoom link left for you there. Click on the link and you will be here joining me live. Make sure to have your pets with you. That'd be great. And we can talk about anything you want. Of course, here on Instagram, just do what you're doing. Send me a little note. I will uh, get a hold of, uh, I know, I agree, Peggy Lane. <laughs> it's crazy. So just uh, anything you want to talk about. The only thing I can't do for Instagram is if I let people in, sometimes they want to join. It takes up half the screen on the bottom and then I lose all the people that, that are join- waving and, and have questions. So anyone who wants to get a hold of me, it can do it anytime. Just reach me here, send me a message on Instagram, or you can get me at Dr. Jeff at drjeff.com, jeff at airvet.com, drjeff at petliferadio.com. A number of ways to get a hold of me. I will get your emails and ask you one thing I will tell you. If you have my cell and you call me, which is totally fine, don't leave a voice message. That'll take me a month to get back to you. Leave me a text and uh, if I don't answer and I will get back to you. Anyway, so um, if there are any questions coming up, I will say. And uh, in the meantime, I will start with some of the things I wanted to talk about. First of all, I didn't get a chance to talk about this one last time. And I thought it was very, very interesting. So it's called Dog Interactions Have a Positive Effect on the Human Brain. Now, we kind of knew that. There have been books written about it, the, you know, the health benefits of having pets, et cetera, et cetera. And um, physical interaction with a dog activated all right, the prefrontal cortex of 19 study participants. But interacting with a plush toy didn't. There's clearly, it's not just the act of us cuddling something. There's actually some sort of interesting feedback that seems to happen. So I thought that's good. Volunteers were more attentive and emotionally engaged with the real thing. Also, close interaction with the dog raised brain activity more than the neutral interaction. The effects lasted even after the interaction, and some brain activity rose progressively higher with subsequent interactions. So bottom line is engage and play with your dogs often, because and cats too. That's really cool, and we know it. They say your endorphins raise, you just feel better when you have that interaction with a pet. And um, I know for me, (laughs) there's no doubt. (laughs) That's why I seem so happy all the time. So no, it's really great. What really makes this so real is the fact that there's now scientific evidence. There are doctors, there are psychologists and psychiatrists, and they're proving and they're measuring brain activity. And that's really cool when you can actually confirm. These are things that we knew anyway, but confirms it with science. Hold on, I had a question here from Deb. Levi's condition, wobbly legs. He's doing well, slowly getting worse. Yes, what happens is as dogs get older, their weakness, and and this is the hardest thing, the weaker they get, the less they can do. The less they do, the weaker they're going to get. Muscle tone is critical. Now, there's there's also obviously neurologic input, have things to do with it. There may be some compression on the spinal cord as the nerves are coming out of the spinal canal. But if you can get them out there and get more exercise, and this is why it's so much worse for older dogs that are also overweight. And that also goes hand in hand because the less they do, the more they're going to gain. 
So the key there is to start getting dogs on a diet prior to all of this. So as they age, they'll, it'll be easier for them to move around. And then you can kind of encourage exercise. But the key really is keep them moving. And, and any of us that are still very active, as we get older, uh, we know that, that we look at colleagues and friends that have not stayed currently active, and you can just see the difference. So the worst thing people ask me, what's my secret? My secret is I never stopped. And that's the thing. You don't want to stop. Very similarly with our pets, we want to keep them going all the time. Next story I wanted to talk about. Here's a good one. And this is going to kind of come hand in hand in some ways with what we're going to talk about at the end of the show with about Halloween coming up. And I don't want to wait until next Sunday, the day before. So because that's doesn't give me enough time to prepare. So we're going to go through some of the things uh, today. But here are some of the things. So this came and says, what food should not be shared with our pets? So of anything with or the artificial sweetener, xylitol, very dangerous. And here's, we talked about this several weeks ago. Now you might see ingredients and the ingredient is going to read bark sugar. You think, well, bark comes from a tree, natural. Yeah, that's probably a good, a good sweetener. No, bark sugar is xylitol. So maybe that's where it's derived from. Who knows? All I know, it's potentially very, very dangerous for our pets. So therefore, if you see that ingredient on a label that says sweetened with bark sugar, don't be fooled. It's not as natural as one might think. It is potentially very dangerous. All right, next up, chocolate, of course. Grapes and raisins, we know. Fatty foods like macadamia nuts. All right, there's some they're poisoning there. Walnuts are dangerous. Avocados, um, potentially dangerous. And that's why we, when the food Avoderm came out, first of all, dogs love fatty foods. They, they really do. It's got a great taste for them. It's, it's a lot of calories, you know, per volume. So it's one of those things where, where we, on the other hand, say, well, okay, yeah, a little is okay, but don't overdo it. And Avoderm, obviously, was a very successful food for a long time and still out there. And obviously, dogs aren't dying from Avoderm. So they know, obviously, it's developed by nutritionists, and they know what's a safe dose to get, etc. But don't let them get a hold of avocados. Plus, they don't always stop at the avocado. They'll try to get the pit pit. And if, if there's any one way to get something lodged in an intestine, an avocado pit is about that perfect size. So you got to be careful with there as well. Um, raw onions and garlic, potentially problem. And then raw dough, of course, bones, animal bones, especially if they're sharp or too hard, either not good for the teeth or not good for the intestine. Alcohol, and this I know also because I believe I told the story about my Labrador in college who did like beer, sadly, and uh, he, did, he did drink a little too much at one point. And if you want to see a, a staggering dog, have a dog get drunk on alcohol. And also food or drinks with caffeine. Too much caffeine, is, it speeds them up. It's an upper, uh, not good for them. So things that are really good for them, good, fresh, cooked, lean meats, chicken, turkey, lean uh, beef is fine, in, uh, not in excess, in moderation, fruits and vegetables. Understand with certain veggies, they may not be able to digest because dogs don't have cellulase. So it might come out kind of as it went in, but it's not dangerous. It's a good source of fiber anyway. Make sure it's without the bones. As I said, some of the beef bones are too hard. And the vet dentist, we had Dr. Bellows on uh, with us a couple of months back. He's the first to tell you it's probably not that good. The knuckle bones, they often get stuck on their teeth around their whole lower jaw, the mandible. Not good. And then, of course, chicken bones and turkey bones are too soft and they, they can break them down. So next up, there was this, uh, a study recently on dental care. 
And how many of you, by show of hands, and be honest, are not brushing their dog's teeth as often as they should? My hands up. So, so uh, anyway, look, it's tough. But when you look at the progression of dental disease, it all starts with the plaque. And the plaque is the film left over from the food. And that is easy to get rid of with dental brushing, with brushing the teeth. You can get rid of the plaque. Um, but without plaque, the bacteria in the mouth and the saliva have nothing to work on to turn it into tartar or calculus. And that's the stuff that starts pushing pressure on the gums. That's the bad stuff. So anyway, it's not impossible. Does periodontal disease with old dogs affect their jawbone? Absolutely. Which is why, and just I'll throw this at you, it's happened. If it's never happened to a veterinarian or a veterinary technician that does dental cleanings, then they're not, they're not doing enough dental cleanings. And this is what I mean. What happens as the disease? This is why exactly we don't recommend anymore these non-anesthetic dental procedures. Because if you don't get down deep below the gums, deep into those sulci, into those pockets, you cannot get all that debris out. Where that happens is the bacteria, the debris, the buildup starts eating away at the attachment of the tooth to the bone in the socket. Then what happens is it keeps eating away and it softens and eats away the bone. All you have to do is have your veterinarian take a dental x-ray and you will see the destruction. In fact, what led us, Dr. Bellow's study about these non-anesthesia dental procedures, which make the teeth look good on the outside, but they're not doing you any favors on the inside. And that means they're not doing your pet any favors on the inside. You know, and that's deep to the gum line. So is that the bone destruction was dramatic in the group of dogs that didn't have anesthetic dentals. So yes, the problem is, and so what I'm getting at is the following. How many times has a, a good dentist, a good veterinarian, right? A great, excellent uh, dental technician who's allowed to do dentals in, in, in many states, right? That they are doing a, an extraction of a loose tooth and all of a sudden the jaw cracks and that's what happens. It literally will break. So that's why is there's so much bone destruction. It softens the jawbone and they can break. And that's why when we're dealing, especially with the little small breeds, those little, you know, Maltese and the Yorkies and right, and the little teeny mini poodles, et cetera, et cetera, we have to be very, very careful. The Pomeranians, when we're doing these, the, the dentals on these older dogs that have a lot of plaque and a lot of loose teeth, that we have to be very careful because that bone, it gets so thin, it can break easily. So um, anyway, yes. The answer is absolutely causes bone destruction. And the way to prevent that is by more thorough home care and more frequent professional dental cleanings by your veterinarian. So uh, let's go on to the next one as I'm waving. Dogs suddenly become allergic to chicken. Yes, allergies in dogs are very similar to allergies to people. They go both ways. Sometimes, like in my case, I was, as a little kid, I had allergies. I had a lot of allergies, a lot of foods, tomatoes, eggplant, but my real allergies, believe it or not, dogs, cats, horses, sheep, goats, and cows. And hey, so when I was in vet school, I was a wreck because I not only was allergic to the animals, I was allergic to hay, all the large animals were bedded on. So, you know, it is, uh, oh, that's a really good question, Stephanie. We'll be through in a, while, in a minute. Anyway, the bottom line is that I outgrew them. I went to allergy shots, et cetera. I think, and this is my theory, my self theory, that just by being around these animals on a daily basis, small doses every day, I think my body, it was almost like getting a vaccine. It was almost like getting the allergy shots, which are giving small amounts, very small doses on a regular basis and allowing my body to build up resistance, but build up antibody. So I think that's what happened. 
Who knows? Sometimes they just say no. Kid allergies, and they outgrow them. Now, when allergy hits as an adult, then they usually progressively get worse. So food hypersensitivity, food allergy, not as prevalent as everybody thinks. Maybe, maybe 10% of all allergies, all, probably less, are food-related. But even still, yes, it can be developed later on, which is why when we recommend a diet that is called a novel protein diet, this is a, a protein that the body has never been exposed to before. And therefore, they probably won't have an allergic reaction. But in time, it could be six months, it could be a year. All of a sudden, that same dog that was allergic to something else like chicken could now be allergic to bison or to venison or to rabbit or to kangaroo or to salmon or to cod, all these other proteins now that are going into foods. And so, yes, it is possible to, as an adult, to develop uh, allergies. Love this question. It's something I deal with on a regular basis, Stephanie. I uh, have a 15-year-old Maltese, a good eater, blind, deaf, urinating in the house. When do we know when to put him down? Boy, this is, first of all, a preface. It's never going to be easy. Even when you know, you know, you, you consciously know it is the right thing to do, it's still going to be tough. I use a bunch of criteria, and, and it, it's okay sometimes with a dog like that to be a little bit selfish, because when that relationship, when you are literally chasing and following after your dog because they're defecating and urinating all over the house, all right, and you can't control it, and there's no longer that interaction where you both benefit from each other, then it's something to consider. Now, I've had cases where these are some of the questions I'll ask a client about their pet to help them. I can never make the decision for them. It's got to be their decision. All I can do is feed them some things to think about, and I even tell them, you don't have to answer yes or no to any of these. It's just things to start thinking about. Number one, when you look at your dog, do you feel sorry for them or your cat? All right. Do you feel sorry for them? Number two, do they seem to enjoy their days, their life? Are they just sitting and moping and sitting in the same position all day long? All right. Is there anything that excites them anymore? Are they still eating? That's important one. Very important. Blind deaf, that bothers you more than it bothers the dog. That I know. So that I wouldn't know. I wouldn't consider that. Here's one. Answer this one. Is your dog living or just existing? That's something to really think about. When they're just there, yeah, they're breathing, their heart's still pumping, but are they really there? Are they really this, the same things that would you know, turn them on, get them excited? Do they get happy when you come home? Do they get happy when they see that ball? Do they get happy when they see their food? They run into the kitchen. I mean, all these little things are things to think about. If this were grandma, would you be considering full-time nursing care or a home? or hospice. When we get to these points with our pets, we're always going to outlive them. I mean, unless you're, you have a parrot that you bought when you were 50, then probably that parrot's going to outlive you. But typically with our pets, we outlive them. And we're going to be faced with these decisions many, many times in our lives. And here's one thing to really think about. And I learned this, another guest on our show, Danny McVitie, you know, a couple of years ago, and she has lap of love that they do hospice and home euthanasia. And uh, she said, you can never make the mistake of saying goodbye a little bit too early, but you can make a terrible mistake by waiting too long. Bottom line is, for all the wonderful years that they've given us and all the joy and happiness, hopefully, unless <laughs> they're really tough, but they shouldn't suffer for a minute. And so that's another thing. Don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily want to keep waiting and waiting. If you're getting to the point where it's just they're not happy, then I always say euthanasia, yes, it's tough. It's not a bad thing. If when done at the right time under the right conditions, it's a wonderful gift that we can give back to them for all the tremendous, wonderful years they've given us. So those are the things I like to think about. 
And I hope that helps, Steph. If you have any more questions, certainly feel free to reach out to me and we'll, we'll help you uh, get through this. It's tough. Okay, pet insurance, good or bad? I wonder how many of you have pet insurance? I am torn, admittedly. I am very, very torn. I will tell you that some of the associations I often make is pet insurance is like a Las Vegas casino. Really? What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. Who wins at a casino? The house or the player? Well, look around. Walk into a casino and, or the many, 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 many casinos in Vegas. You think they're making a couple of bucks? I think so. Now, has anyone have had? I have at one. I'm not a gambler. But I've had a lucky night go throw, you know, a couple of bucks down on a, on a blackjack table and, and, you know, win some money. But is that the norm? The longer the play, the longer you're probably going to lose. So my feeling is there that with pet insurance, there are actuarial tables and here's, they're taking your money. They know pretty much to the penny, to the dollar, how much a person is going to spend on this breed of dog at this age, et cetera, et cetera. And they make sure their premiums are going to cover that. Now, what are they doing with those premiums? Besides the fact they are going to always look for reasons not to pay. And I've heard stories of clients of mine, dog had cancer, paid $12,000, $13,000 collected for insurance. That's great. That's the guy who goes to Vegas for a great weekend and just gets lucky and wins. Is that the norm? No, it's not the norm. If it were the norm, with only about 2% of pet owners in the United States having insurance for the pets, why are there so many darn insurance companies? Why? Because they're happy as can be and they're new ones popping up all the time. So they then take all your premiums because they don't, you don't need it every day. And they are now investing your money into something to make more money. So even if you do have that $10,000 payout and you got it and you're, I got it, I won, right? It wasn't, it wasn't even your money. It was their money that they made on your money. So overall, I have my hesitation. However, you got to do something. So the one thing I heard about that I kind of like the idea, if you were destined to be that big winner, pet insurance is the answer, 100%. Now, but how do you know that? So I recommend is setting up a side account and an interest-bearing savings account in Bowser's name, okay? And that same premium, whatever it is, 50 bucks, 70 bucks, depending on the age of the dog, the breed, where you live, premiums are based on a lot of different things. You put that same money into your account or to Bowser's account. And just let it grow. If you want to invest it, right? You got a good investment, throw some of Bowser's money in there as well. So that way, the Bowser's money. So let's say, let's say in an easy number, it's a thousand bucks a year. Okay. Maybe you're doing, you know, what is it, 80 bucks a month? Let's see. No, even less. Probably, probably six, 60 bucks a month. 50 bucks a month is going to give you 600 bucks a year. Right. So, and then you get, you know, 70 is 840 bucks. Yeah, it might be 80 bucks a year. So, so now what you do is take that money. And just let it grow. Don't spend it on, on wellness care. And, and then so at the end of the year, you have a thousand. And then next year you have two thousand, a little bit of interest. Next year you have three. In four or five years, you got five thousand dollars, right? Sitting waiting to be used if you need it, if you have that accident, if there's that illness. And then the, the bottom line here is if you don't use it, it's like a health savings account, an HSA. It's your money. If you don't use it, you get it back. The insurance companies are banking that they are going to take more in and then make more than, they, you, than they're going to pay out. And that's why it's very popular. Now, in some countries, it works great. In Sweden, 60% of pet parents are insured. In some practices that really push it, I read just the other day, a practice um, here in the US, 50% of their clients have pet insurance. That's great. What we really need to do, is because I hear stories, by the way, both ways. I hear stories from clients that 
feel when they really needed it, there was some clause or some disease or a condition that they, the dog had six years earlier that, you know, the gate, especially if it's like a heart problem. Let me tell you something else. And this is really what bothers me. And trust me, by the way, I've yelled at a lot of insurance companies. I get a bat for my clients. So the dog's normal cardiac rhythm is called sinus arrhythmia. Well, this young doctor doing her initial exam on a puppy at Elsewhere Animal Hospital, not to be mentioned, mentioned that the dog had an arrhythmia. That's normal. It was a puppy. I heard the dog afterwards. It was 100% normal sinus arrhythmia. And when she went for insurance, they said they are not going to cover any cardiac illness. It's ridiculous. All because a doctor wasn't very clear that this is a normal type of rhythm in a dog. It's called sinus arrhythmia. So anyway, these are little things that bother me. So and then you have to jump through hoops, writing letters and another exam and getting a third opinion. It's absolutely crazy. So as you can tell, I think that here's my tagline. You're going to need it the most when you don't have it. So do I think you should be doing something, either your own HSA account or your or insurance? Yes. I think to be ill-prepared and do nothing is only going to be detrimental. So, you know, it's kind of up to you how you, uh, how you want to do it. All right? Okay. And anymore, anyone talk about this, bring it on. Bring it on. I'll, I'll give you stories both ways. There's good and bad to everything, and I will, um, I'll let you know. We're at that time in our show, past the halfway mark. So I'm going to break. I'm going to send it back to Mark for messages from our sponsors. And I will stay here on Instagram. I will mute myself for the show and be back in a few minutes. Do not go away. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back. Welcome back to your live with Dr. Jeff Werber here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best and Instagram Live. All right, next up, this is good too. How many people think it's okay? I, for one, that it's okay to get your cat a little bit of milk all the commercials, all the cartoons even, they always get a lot of a little milk in their little little milk saucer, right? And cats love it, no doubt. They love it. So guess what? May not be so good. Just like dogs, just like people, when puppies sort of are weaned, they become somewhat lactose intolerant. Well, it happens to cats as well. So it says that if they lose their tolerance, they become intolerant, okay? So then they can get the, the same things. They can get diarrhea. 
they can get vomiting if they drink the milk, so, so it's a problem. So uh, this, the experts say that if you feed a cat a healthy diet, high in protein, which cats need, uh, they need certain amino acids that dogs don't need. So you always check with the veterinarian. In cow's milk, the fat, besides being lactose intolerance, can even cause other things. And this, is, this was the statistic that I thought was so interesting. Check this out. All right. The fat in a saucer of cow's milk is the cat equivalent, check this out, the cat equivalent of eating a, of a human eating a 12-inch pizza. So a 12-inch pizza, okay, is the same amount of fat that a cat would get in licking a saucer of cow's milk once they are an adult and weaned. So I think that, uh, that's, a, that's a good picture. Think about that for a second. And uh, you may want to not let your cats uh, drink, drink milk if they are. Speak of cats, this happened in New Jersey. So if you're in New Jersey, you should get, be worried about this one. Two people in New Jersey scratched by feral cats that were rabies positive. And uh, so that's a danger. So let's talk about Halloween. It's around the corner, some do's and don'ts. Well, we talked about the foods. You already know the candies, the chocolate, the nuts, the raisins. You got to keep the candy for you. The pet's not such a good idea. So also just know that if your dog does eat something, and another thing you have to understand, they don't stop at the candy. They're going to eat the whole wrapper. They're going to eat everything. And they're not going to stop at one. So if they have access to a bowl, not only are they going to eat all the wrappers, they're going to eat all the candy. It's the same problem we have with dogs who you know, get a hold of, of marijuana bag products, which is huge. So anyway, the xylitol we talked about, anything sugarless, sugarless gum, sugarless candies, the treats, sugarless peanut butter, uh, if it has xylitol or now bark sugar, something to be avoided. Also things like with sticks, or there are certain candies that are on like a, a string you, you wear them around your neck, the kids do, and they eat them off. That string, that string is potentially di- very dangerous to a cat. So it's called a string foreign body. Again, you want to uh, avoid that at all the yard. Now, keeping pets in the yard, even the week before Halloween, may be somewhat concerning. There are a lot of weirdos out there, a lot of weirdos that do very bad things to cats. So I, especially black cats. And one of my cats, I have five, is a black cat. They don't go outside, period. But um, I would be extremely, extremely uh, careful with that. You want to keep them away from the doors. Think about it. You have a, a door that a doorbell or a knock on the door that's going on every several minutes, especially if you're in a highly congested kid area. And not only is the door going to be opening, but who's on the other end of that door? Is it really a kid? We've learned about dogs' ability for, to recognize facial recognition, to recognize our faces, even expressions. So when that door opens and there's something, some being, Smells like a kid, but doesn't look like a kid. So you can have dogs freak out and you never know where they're going to bolt, where they're going to bite. It, it could be from fear, anxiety, true aggression. So again, you want to be really careful to keep your dogs away from doors. And um, if you are not going to do that, make sure they're wearing their ID, make sure they're microchipped. These things are, again, extremely, extremely critical. You can also use some calming formulas, talk to your veterinarian, uh, things that are natural, chamomile, passion flower, valerian root, um, uh, et cetera. Or there's some medications that are appropriate that might be necessary if you have a dog that freaks out. Better yet, keep them to a different part of the house. If you take your dogs out for trick-or-treating, many do. Again, understand that a group of something is coming at them that don't look like the regular kids that I see. That might be disturbing for a dog. And if you are going to dress your dogs into costumes, haha, I know everybody's laughing out there. What are you talking about? Well, let me tell you something. Last year, Americans spent over $3 million on pet costumes. So yes, people dress up the pets. But again, don't get anything that is going to 
impede their their motion. It it's not going to occlude their their vision. They have to see have clear vision. You don't want anything around their faces, ideally, and make sure that they can move freely. Now, you might want to. That's why I want to do this today and not next Sunday. If you are thinking about getting a pet costume for your dog, not I'm sure that your dog is cute enough as it is. But if you really, really want to, because your kids want to dress up the, the pets, just make sure, test it first. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're comfortable. Um, you know, sometimes just put a little bandana on. Don't go overboard with too much um, because, again, we don't want anything that is going to bother them and add to their anxiety, which is probably already there because they're probably already anxious. So be careful. You know, again, cats, keep them inside. Pumpkins, things like that. Halloween, just be careful that they don't, eat too much of anything. Pumpkin itself is fine in small amounts. We often recommend taking pumpkin for dogs that have a little bit of a colitis, but don't, what you don't want to do is um, give too much, uh, can give diarrhea, and if the pumpkin, the shell might be just too hard for them. It might, you know, cause, it might get lodged in the GI tract. Um, of course, uh, fire candles, if you're going to have a, a jack-o'-lantern, if you're going to have a pumpkin uh, with a candle in it, be careful, because if a dog or a cat knocks it over, it could have, have, obviously be dangerous for them, but also even start a family, I mean a fire, and <laughs> it's not going to start a family, it could start a fire. And then also, if you have one that plugs in, again, we talk about this around Christmas time with trees, with uh, you know Hanukkah time with the lighted menorahs, that electric, make sure that you're, if you're going to have a regular 120 volt plug that it is well covered or look for those that have a 12 volt transformer converting the 120 volts down to 12. And then if they chew into that cord, it's not going to shock them. And, uh, and that's it. So if you have any questions about any of the stuff, or let me say there was one of the questions about a, a brush for a particular Jack Russell Terrier. I like this. It's a wire slicker brush because they don't have you don't need a comb for those. You just need a wire slicker brush. It's those rectangle brushes, got a little handle, and the wire bristles come down and they have a little bend at the very end. So it's straight with a little bend. Those are really great. And I, I find the dogs really enjoy. It's almost like they're getting scratched. You know, you get your back scratched. You go, oh, you got the spot. You got the spot. That's how they feel. They, they, they seem to like it. So that's what I look for. Any other questions? Yes, keep an eye, especially on black cats at Halloween. This is so true. Um, there are a lot of weirdos out there. If they get chocolate, uh, cat or dog, what's she? Oh, so if your cats get, depends how much chocolate they get. It's a bit overrated when it comes to the volume. Milk chocolate, it would take quite a bit. You know, if you, if like two, three Hershey bars for a small dog might be concerning. If your Labrador gets a hold of, you know, three or four Hershey's Kisses or, or a chocolate bar or a Nestle Crunch, um, I'm not too worried. Um, however, if you have access to those and you're afraid your dogs might get them, my address is, you send them to Value Vet Wet. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I love chocolate. I'm, a, I'm bad. All right. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Any questions, please send them during the week. Have a very great week. And then we'll see you next Sunday prior to Halloween. If there are any more Halloween questions or concerns or things you want to add or experiences that you've had that you want to share, then please join us next week. Same bad time, same bad channel here on Instagram Live, here on Pet Life Radio. And um, we'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.